Hello this is Diksha from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Tuesday, the 12th of October. India recorded over 14,000 cases of COVID-19 in the last 24 hours. The total COVID tally now stands at over 3 crore 39 lakh while the death toll stands at over 4 lakh 50,000. Over 95 crore COVID vaccines have been administered in the country so far, of which more than 65 lakh were given yesterday. A subject expert committee of the CDSCO or Central Drug Standard Control Organization today recommended the use of Bharat Biotech's Covaxin among those in the age group of 2 years to 18 years. The Drugs Controller General of India is soon expected to clear the vaccine for use among children and teenagers. According to a report by the Hindu A reply to a right to information query has shown that the Union Health Ministry does not have data on the COVID vaccines procured by private companies or the doses that were administered by private hospitals and service providers. Globally, COVID-19 has infected over 23 crore 82 lakh people and caused over 48 lakh deaths so far. The Guardian reported that a United Kingdom parliamentary report has said that the British government waited too long to impose a lockdown in the early days of the pandemic. missing a chance to contain the infection that caused thousands of deaths data from the central electricity authority of india has shown that out of the 135 coal fired power plants in the country 115 have coal supplies to last less than a week this implies that nearly 80% of the country's coal fired plants are in a critical or super critical stage The Union Power Ministry has attributed the shortages of coal to an unprecedented demand for electricity and heavy rainfall in mining areas in September. 70% of India's electricity is generated using coal. Shortages have left multiple states with just enough supply to generate power for a few days, which under normal circumstances have stock for 15 to 30 days. Maharashtra, Punjab, Rajasthan, Kerala, Delhi, Andhra Pradesh and Tamil Nadu have already flagged possible outages. Meanwhile, Union Power Secretary Alok Kumar claimed that the situation was not very critical. He said and I quote, "The energy shortages used to be around 0.2 to 0.3%, but the energy shortage currently is still less than 1%." unquote. He also claimed that states like Uttar Pradesh and Rajasthan had not cleared their dues to coal companies thereby affecting the power supplies. On Monday, Union Home Minister Amit Shah held a meeting with the Union Power Minister RK Singh and Coal Minister Prahlad Joshi to discuss the availability of the fuel for power plants and the current demand for electricity in the country. The Prime Minister is also expected to review the situation. Thousands of farmers from Punjab, Haryana, Uttarakhand and other parts of Uttar Pradesh reached the Lakhimpur Kheri district today to hold the antim ardash or last prayers for the farmers who lost their lives in the October 3 violence. Congress leader Priyanka Gandhi Vadra and Rashtriya Lok Dal chief Jayant Chaudhary also reached the district to attend the event. The last remains of the victims of the October 3 violence were kept on the stage of the event in the Tikonia area. Farmers have called today the Shaheed Kisan Divas on Martyred Farmers Day. Today, Ashish Mishra, the son of Union Minister Ajay Mishra, was taken to Uttar Pradesh Police's Crime Branch office for interrogation. Yesterday, Mishra was remanded in 3-day police custody by a court in Lakhimpur Kheri. The UP Police's special investigation team sought custody of Ashish for 14 days, claiming that he was not cooperating with the probe. The police have booked Ashish Mishra on multiple charges including murder and criminal conspiracy. On October 
three cars rammed into a crowd of protesting farmers in Uttar Pradesh's Lakhimpur Kheri. Two of these cars belonged to Union Minister Ajay Kumar Mishra. Eyewitnesses allege that Ashish Mishra was in one of these cars. The incident and the violence in its aftermath left eight people dead. Four farmers, two BJP workers, a driver of one of the vehicles and a journalist. Since the incident, the coverage by a section of the media on television and even in print has been about inflammatory narratives, politics and even attempts to delegitimize the farmer protests. But what got lost in all of this were the stories of the people who lost their lives in the violence. To bring you these stories and what happened on the ground, News Laundry reporters Nidhi and Shivangi were in Lakhimpur for more than a week. To know what unfolded on October 3 and the aftermath of it, without dramatic headlines and misinformation, watch their latest video story on newslaundry.com. It is titled, Lakhimpur Kheri Violence. What happened on October 3 and what do we know so far? I also recommend you to go through Nidhi and Shivangi's extensive ground reportage on the incident where they spoke to the families of those who lost their loved ones. These reports are filed under the section Lakhimpur Kheri Violence on newslaundry.com. Nidhi and Shivangi also spoke to the family of local journalist Raman Kashyap who died in the violence. The family alleged that they are being pressured by the police to change their account of how Raman died. The family maintains that he was killed by a car that rammed into the protesters and was not beaten up. Raman's father also narrated how a reporter from a TV news channel wanted them to change the narrative. Here, at News Laundry, we can do such reportage because we strive to hold to account both the powers that be and the media. We can do this because we are not funded by the government or private corporations, but the people, our subscribers. So, if you too want to power a fair, factual and accurate reportage, go to newslaundry.com today and hit that red subscribe button. Subscriptions start as low as 300 rupees a month. In multiple anti-militancy operations that took place in Jammu and Kashmir today, five militants were killed and two multi-storey houses were damaged. The militants killed included members of the Resistance Front, which was behind the recent killings of civilians in the Union Territory. In another anti-insurgency operation in the Poonch district yesterday, an army officer and four soldiers were killed during an encounter between the security forces and terrorists. Inspector General of Police Vijay Kumar said that one of the militants, Mukhtar Khan, was involved in the targeted killing of street hawker Virinder Paswan in Shopian last week. The police stated that another militant, Imtiaz Ahmadar, was shot and killed in the Hajin area of Bandipur, while four of his associates have been arrested. According to the police, Dar was responsible for the killing of Mohammad Shafi Lone, a taxi driver from Bandipur. Over the last five days, police and security forces have detained over 700 people in response to the recent killings of civilians in Jammu and Kashmir. The police believe that the detainees have links to Jamaat-e-Islami or are suspected overground workers from Srinagar, Burgam or other areas in southern Kashmir. The murders of civilians have sparked outrage in the valley with dozens of Kashmiri pundit families leaving the Union territory. On 11th October, the former Chief Minister of Jammu and Kashmir, Farooq Abdullah, called on the Prime Minister to visit the valley and offer reassurances to those living there. The Union Home Ministry has sent a team of senior officers to Kashmir to supervise operations. The Rajasthan government has withdrawn the Rajasthan Compulsory Registrations of Marriage Amendment Bill 2021 passed last month in the state's assembly. 
the bill, which was considered controversial, had called for the registration of all marriages, including those of minors. It drew criticism from the opposition and activists as it seemed to validate or legitimize child marriages. A clause in the bill stated that if the bride is under 18 and the bridegroom is under 21, their parents must register the marriage within 30 days of the event. In the 2009 version of the bill, the age criterion was 21 years for both the bride and the bridegroom. Several protests against the bill were organized by activists and the opposition. A non-government organization even challenged the amendment to the bill in the Rajasthan High Court. Earlier, when the bill was being passed in the Assembly, the opposition had raised questions for the Congress government, stating that the bill was, and I quote, giving a backdoor entry to child marriage. Yesterday, which also happened to be the International Girl Child Day, the state said that it will ask the governor to return the bill. Rajasthan Chief Minister Ashok Gehlot said that the government is working with a strong will for the complete eradication of child marriage in the state. Despite a ban on child marriages, the practice still continues in large parts of Rajasthan and other parts of the country as well. According to an analysis released by the organization Save the Children yesterday, child marriage kills more than 60 girls a day globally and 6 girls a day in South Asia. The report noted that more than 22,000 girls die each year from pregnancy and childbirth that results from child marriage. Listeners, before I go on to the international news, I'd like to give a reminder to the existing News Laundry subscribers. Since the new RBI guideline on recurring and auto payments came into effect on September 30, many recurring News Laundry subscriptions were cancelled, resulting in an almost 40% dip in our weekly revenue in the first week of October. So if you're already a subscriber, please head over to our website to renew your subscriptions. Pay to keep news free. A special G20 summit was hosted today by Italian Prime Minister Mario Draghi to discuss the looming humanitarian crisis in Afghanistan that poses concerns about an exodus of refugees. The focus of the meeting was to be on aid needs, concerns of security and ways of guaranteeing a safe passage abroad for thousands of Western allied Afghans in the country. U.S. President Joe Biden, Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi and Europe's G20 leaders were expected to take part in the meeting. Chinese media outlets reported that President Xi Jinping would not participate. This meeting comes less than three weeks before the formal G20 leaders' summit in Rome on October 30th and 31st, which is due to focus on climate change, the global economic recovery, tackling malnutrition and the COVID-19 pandemic. Heavy rains and floods hit China's northern province of Shanxi, killing at least 15 people, local officials in the province said today. Destroying thousands of homes, the rains forced more than 120,000 people to relocate to safer areas. According to the emergency management official Wang Kirui, at least 1.75 million people have been affected by the floods this month. It has caused the collapse of more than 19,000 houses and seriously damaged over 18,000 homes. The economic loss in the province is estimated to be more than 5 billion Chinese yuan. The heavy rains have also resulted in the closure of 60 coal mines in Shanxi, China's largest coal mining hub, accounting for a quarter of the country's coal production. In July, China had been hit by devastating floods in Zhengzhou, the provincial capital of the Henan province that killed more than 300 people. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow.
All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.